Quantlayer is a software consultancy based in Brooklyn, New York. All opinions expressed by podcast guests are solely their own opinions and do not reflect the opinions of Quantlayer. The information presented should not be construed as investment advice. Guests may maintain positions in assets mentioned in the podcast. Vikram speaking. I'm joined by Fizan, also known as the Wizard. What's going on, Fizan? Not much. Uh, I'm in Toronto right now. I was just in uh, Waterloo this past weekend, which is very uh, timely given our topic for today. Oh, nice. Yeah. So the SEC literally just put out a press release along with a complaint on Kick Interactive, and uh, the you know the title of the press release: SEC charges issuer with conducting a hundred million dollar unregistered ICO. And we'll link all this stuff in the show notes. But uh, basically what the SEC is claiming is that that Kick Interactive, they conducted a illegal $100 million securities offering of digital tokens and that they sold those tokens to U.S. investors without registering their offer and sale, which is, uh, which is required by U.S. securities law. The actual complaint itself, it's pretty long. Like some of these complaints, I mean, I would say this is on the on the longer end. It's like 50 pages. So we're going to read through it and just kind of talk through some of the stuff. I have never used the app before, but when when was it popular, Fizan? So they started in 2009, but sort of shortly after that, they, they really blew up. Okay. And so I think like the mid-teens is when I remember like everyone, like basically teenagers five years ago. Okay. It was sort of their target market. Like there was tons and tons of people using it. That's around the time when like Facebook had become for old people, to put it <laughs> bluntly. Yeah. And so the younger generation was on like Snapchat, Kick, and Instagram. And the Snapchat and Instagram, I think, took off far more than Kick eventually did. And was it just a straight up uh, chat application or could you like share pictures and stuff? I honestly haven't used it more than once to play with it, okay. but I'm pretty sure you could share pictures and whatnot. And one of their big early innovations were uh, like chatbots and stuff. So they were the first to add like stuff to a chat application that you now see in things like Messenger. But yeah, it's fundamentally like a rich chat application. What was the uh, Water- Waterloo connection there? Oh, uh, so the founder of Kick was a, a Waterloo grad and the company is still headquartered out of there. Okay. Yeah, they have an office in New York as well. And they're getting in trouble with the U.S. Uh, they are regulators. in trouble with U.S. security <laughs> regulators because I think 55 of their 100 million was raised from U.S. investors. Okay. They, in fact, checked in with the Ontario Securities Agency and were didn't receive concrete guidance and so elected to not make an offering to Canadians. Okay, wow. Yeah. That's interesting because a lot of these like U.S.-based mining companies... And a few financials actually register in Canada over the U.S. because it's supposed to be less burdensome in Canada. Yeah, so it might be different from mining versus uh, doing an ICO. Yeah. So we can read through this, the complaint. So the complaint is, you know, U.S. SEC, the plaintiff, Kick Interactive is the defendant. And they basically go through the complaint. There's a summary. There's like a short section on what an ICO is, what the SEC thinks an ICO is. And the facts itself starts on page nine. That's when it gets really interesting. Yeah. And some of the facts are pretty, uh, I mean, they're all facts, but it's, you can tell whoever wrote this is not happy Yeah, with Kick. <laughs> yeah. 
So the summary, just in short, this is what the SEC claims. From May to September 2017, Kick offered and sold 1 trillion digital tokens called KIN. More than 10,000 investors worldwide purchased KIN for approximately $100 million in U.S. dollars in digital assets, over half of the sum coming from U.S. investors located in the U.S. However, KIC's offer and sale of KIN was not registered with the SEC, and investors did not receive disclosures required by federal securities laws. And then they go and describe like what those laws are. I could read this, but I don't think it's going to be super interesting. Yeah, basically, you just have to register if you're selling a security, and they didn't. Yep. And then they go through like definition of what a security is. And then they start with the history of Kick. So Kick, a private Canadian company founded in 2009, owns and operates a mobile messaging application called Kick Messenger. Despite Kick Messenger's initial success and the company's receipt of venture capital funding, Kick's costs have always far outpaced its revenues and the company has never been profitable. I think this in and of itself isn't like that crazy. That's pretty standard due course. You know, a company starts yeah. out strong, gets VC funding, is not profitable. I think that's the standard. Number six, in late 2016, early 2017, Kick faced a crisis. Fewer, and I guess this kind of dovetails with what you're saying about the, the time frame was super popular more like five years ago. Uh, fewer and fewer people were using Kick Messenger. The company expected to run out of cash to fund its operations by the end of 2017, but its revenues were insignificant, and executives had no realistic plan to increase revenues through its existing operations. In late 2016 and early 2017, Kick hired an investment bank to try to sell itself to a larger tech company, but no one was interested. It's a rather dire picture painted there. Yeah, I mean, they're running out of cash. Because they're running out of cash, they try to hire an investment bank to sell them. Doesn't sound good for them so far. Faced with a shrinking financial runway, Kick decided to pivot. And pivot here is in quotes. So is runway for some reason. Yeah, that's right. Um, <laughs> maybe it was a term that was used. Because I know as part of like discovery process, the SEC would have reached out to like board members and things like that. So there's possible that these are actually words that came up in conversations. Okay. So Kick decided to pivot to an entirely different business and attempt what a board member called a Hail Mary pass. Kick would offer and sell one trillion digital tokens in return for cash to fund company operations and a speculative new venture. Hail Mary Pass, of course, I'm sure everyone's familiar with that. It's like basically it's we're down to the last minute. We gotta throw this ball and see if someone catches it like a million miles away. And if they do, you know, we win the game. So starting in early 2017, Kick began to devise a plan to offer and sell digital tokens. The plan became public on or about May 25th, 2017, when Kick announced the Kin token offering by publishing a white paper and issuing press releases through a speech that the CEO had at a blockchain industry conference in, here in New York. Through these and other outlets, Kick enthusiastically described Kin offering and Kick's plan to create, develop, and support what the Kick called the Kin ecosystem, in which, at an unspecified future date, if the project was successful, Kin could be used to buy goods and services. So I guess they're just trying to create like a like an ecosystem of tokens that would help. I mean, the way they're selling it, I guess, is that creating that ecosystem, what the SEC is claiming they did is just basically raise the tokens they sold were just securities and they were unregistered. And because they were close to going out of business, they needed that capital. So number nine, from the May 2017 announcements through September 2017, Kick relentlessly pitched Kin and the prospect that Kick's future efforts to develop the Kin ecosystem would drive an increase in their value. 
Kin emphasized that only a finite number of tokens would be created and the rising demand for the tokens would cause their value to appreciate. And this is probably a pretty important point to this yeah. whole story. Right, yeah, why the SEC considers these securities. Kick promised that it would spur such demand by dedicating company expertise and resources, including proceeds from the sale, to specific ecosystem-enhancing projects, including... There's a handful, and these sound pretty interesting. The redesign of Kick Messenger to incorporate Kin. And each of these is like a pretty large project on their own. Okay, so we have to incorporate Kin into Kick. The creation of what Kick called a rewards engine to compensate companies that fostered Kin transactions. And the implementation of a new Kin specific transaction service to address flaws in existing blockchain technology. What does that last one mean? I, I honestly don't know. Okay. It's very uh, ambitious. Yeah. Uh, well, the first one is basically we got to incorporate Kin into Kick, and that, yeah. that's you know okay. So the second one is this I mean, rewards engine. There was engine. already a thing called Kick Points, so it's essentially we're just going to use cryptocurrency instead of like our central ledger Kick Points. Okay, it sounds like. Yep. By the way, like reading just through this, like none of this involves anything decentralized. If they wanted to do all this, Kick also assured prospective buyers that following distribution of the tokens, buyers would be able to trade Kin on secondary trading platforms, often described as exchanges enabling conversion of kin to either a digital asset or a fiat currency. Throughout its promotional campaign, Kick also declared that the company would share with buyers a common interest in profiting from kin success. So this is kind of crazy too. In addition to selling 1 trillion tokens through its ongoing offering, Kick would be able to create and allocate to itself 3 trillion kin tokens over a two and a half year period. <laughs> Kick told potential buyers that by allotting 30% of the outstanding supply of kin to itself, the company would align its financial interests with those and other kin investors. And this last line, and Kick described kin as an opportunity for both Kick and early kin investors to, quote, make a ton of money, unquote. So they're definitely selling the appreciation of the kin token as like the way to make money. Starting with the May 2017 announcement, Kick offered and sold the 1 trillion kin in a single offering aimed at both wealthy investors and the general public. Yeah, this next section is interesting to me because it goes into the structure of how they actually sold the tokens. Yep. So they Kick offered and sold tokens to professional investment funds and other select wealthy investors using purchase agreements that Kick called Simple Agreements for Future Tokens, or SATs. And this is interesting, I think, to your point, because a lot of other ICOs have done something similar as well. So it'll be interesting to see what kind of uh, fallout there is there. Um, yeah. So Kick Saft entitled purchasers to the future delivery of kin that they purchased when they entered into the agreements. Under the SAFs, investors bought kin at a discount to the price that the general public would pay, and Kick promised to deliver the tokens pursuant to a schedule. Half of the time delivered tokens to the general public and half on a one-year anniversary of the first delivery. And through this, they raised approximately $49 million. From May through September, Kick also offered Kin to the general public and had public investors sign up for this public sale, even while the company was offering and selling discounted Kin to investment funds and other wealthy investors using its SATs. Sale of Kin was predominantly dominated in Ether, and they received roughly $50 million, in dollar, $50 million worth of digital assets. 
So I found this interesting because if they have a chart in this complaint about the uh, different sort of time and price structures. Mm-hmm. So you had the investors that had, there was like the first SAFT, then the second SAFT, and then they had the the public token sale. And so essentially the early investors have preferential pricing over the general public at the same time that the general public is buying at a higher price, which seems, it just seems shady. I don't yeah. know. Yeah. I mean, the colloquial term for that would be like dumping on the public where you get a discount to what public investors are going to pay and you're basically selling to them. On September 26, 2017, Kick delivered to the public investors all of the kin that they'd purchased and delivered to the investors who bought a discount through the SAFs half of the tokens they purchased pursuant to the contract terms. Of the $100 million in cash and Ether received by Kick, over $55 million was raised from U.S.-based investors. As of the date of the sale, the decentralized economy that Kick had marketed did not exist. Surprise. Yeah. No one, not even Kick, offered goods or services in return for Kin. <laughs> On July, approximately seven weeks before Kick started the public sale of the Kin, the SEC issued what is often called the Dow Report. And uh, even prior to the Dow Report, however, Kick had been informed by one of its consultants that the Kin offering was potentially an offering of securities that needed to be registered with the SEC and that unregistered public security offerings are not legal in the U.S. So they were warned. Under the federal securities laws, Kick offered and sold securities from the initial May announcement through September, but Kick has never filed with the SEC a registration statement for its offer and sale of securities. By failing to prepare file a registration statement, Kick did not provide important information to investors regarding the investment opportunity promoted by Kick, such as the information about Kick's current financial condition, including that the company's expenses far exceeded its revenue future plans of operations, proposed use of investor proceeds, and so forth. Kick thus failed to disclose information relevant for investors to evaluate Kick's promises about the investment potential of Kin and the Kin project. Uh, Kin is currently trading on unregulated trading platforms at about half the value that the public buyers paid in the offering, and during the intervening period, it is often traded much lower. And so then they're saying basically that the company, so this complaint is because they did not file a registration statement and the ICO was an unlawful offering. So then we go into a little more like legal stuff, uh, a little bit about the defendant. You know, we talked about this already. That they're based in Waterloo. They have offices in New York, Tel Aviv and stuff on that. Then there's a little section on background and digital assets. You might want to just check this out on your own as it might inform some of the other proceeds and actions on other ICOs and how the SEC thinks about digital assets. Okay, so there is a section titled Facts, and this is, you know, it's just really interesting, super illuminating, like how a lot of these um, teams were thinking about these projects. You know, it's just, it's got a bit of like Silicon Valley. It references South Park, and the whole thing's a little little ridiculous. So we should we should definitely read through this one. So the, the, in Facts, there's a, the first section is titled, In Early 2017, Kick Faced Financial Crisis. Since its founding in 2009 until 2017 ICO, Kick raised at least $120 million from venture capital investors and a Chinese technology and entertainment conglomerate. Prior to the Kin project, Kick's only business line was Kick Messenger, a mobile software application which lets users communicate with each other using mobile devices. The app had initial success, attracting millions of users with a significant concentration in teens and young adults in the U.S. 
After several years, Kik's business faltered. In 2016, the Messenger became less and less popular. Daily average users dropped from 10 million in January 2016 to 6 million in January 2017. It's a huge drop. That's Monthly, massive. Right? Yeah. Monthly average users dropped from more than 28 million in 2016 to 20 million in January 2017. So Kick Messenger had always been difficult for Kick to monetize, and Kick had never generated appreciable revenue and has never been profitable. From mid 2015 to mid 2016, the company recorded 2.2 million in revenue with, oh my gosh, with the total expenses of 29.2 million. Oh, wow. Yeah. And they started in 2009. Um, and the company experienced a comprehensive loss of 29 million. In mid 2016 to mid 2017, this is like during the user loss period, company recorded 1.5 million in revenue with 32 million in expenses. During its early years, Kick Messenger was a competitor of other messaging platforms such as Snapchat and WhatsApp, but the fates of these companies diverged. Facebook purchased WhatsApp and Snapchat conducted an IPO. Kick, however, failed to develop ways of generating revenue through Kick Messenger and failed to find a buyer. Then they go on to explain how they had hired an investment bank that had kind of shopped the company out to 35 different parties, which is quite a few. And yeah. by early 2017, they had already spent most of their VC money and they had no financial runway, um, that they were running out of money and basically had no other options. So having no other options, uh, section two, Kick pivoted to digital tokens. Facing steadily declined cash reserves and no reasonable prospect of generating meaningful revenue, Kick executives discussed the idea of pivoting to digital tokens as a way to raise capital. By early 2017, Kick's senior management had concluded that an ICO was Kick's only option. One member of Kick's board of directors, soon after discussions began to describe the plan as a Hail Mary pass. From the outset, Kick saw investors and speculators as crucial target audience for the ICO. So this, is, this starts getting really interesting here. For example, yeah. in, a, in a meeting of February 16, 2017, Kick executives and directors discussed the need to craft an offering that would appeal to crypto investors and the growing market for crypto assets, highlighting a 50% three-year Kager for such investments. Kick executives uh. anticipated that crowd funders would, and all this stuff's in quotes, which is another reason it's funny, would invest in tradable digital tokens of a non-blockchain company if offered good risk return potential. So I want to come back to this 50% uh, Kager that's compound yeah. annual growth rate. Where are they getting this number from? Does, is this just the demand for crypto assets in general from like 2014 to 17? They're using that as their metric? I'm not sure. It says, uh, let's just read that again. The growing market for crypto assets highlighting a 50% three-year Kager. Maybe it's like, okay, February 2016 um, wasn't the height of the ICO boom yet, but yeah. a lot of these crypto assets are up still on multiples. So... You know, yeah, maybe you're right. Maybe it's just you know, what is the performance of? I mean, what would it be? To me, it sounds like it would be the performance of like other crypto assets over that time period. Yeah, that's a pretty broad metric to use. Like, that's like saying we should IPO because the stock market has been up over the last three years. But that is something that companies do do, just not in this world. Like, a company will hold off on its stock offering if you know, markets are crappy, but if markets are yeah, looking but, really good, they will, they will go public. 
for a, something that doesn't exist. Yeah. Oh uh, yeah, I guess it is a hail mary. So do right. it. going for it. But like, it's not like they have an existing anything to invest in. No, they don't. Uh, I think he, he's just using like a like the market's hot, so we'll do well. Yeah, the market's hot, so we'll do well, which they do do in like startup world. They with raised IPOs. Mil, yeah. yeah, yeah. But they, but you know, it's not a. Yeah, they don't have anything though, so which is which is totally different. Although maybe it's similar to like the IPO boom of ninety nine two thousand when companies without revenue did something similar, but uh, that we can talk about later. Uh, the timing of Kick's pivot coincided with the dramatic uptick in the number of ICOs generally. CoinDesk, an online information service focusing on the blockchain industry, reports that in two thousand seventeen at least three hundred forty three ICOs occurred, up from forty three in the year prior. Following the meeting in an email to several employees, Kick CEO described Kick's new crypto story, which would be a new way to raise capital. He wrote that the company would sell some tokens to crypto investors to raise money and that more demand for the token would mean value goes up. And therefore, buy today, sell tomorrow, profit. <laughs> and I, that's the uh, that's the South Park reference to the, uh, the underpants gnomes. Yeah. Similarly, in a March email to employees, Kixio described his vision for an offering of tokens, then called KickPoints. He explained that Kick's creation of demand for the tokens in the future would mean that people could buy now at a low price and sell later at a higher price to create a return. And they quote him. And because they quote him, I think the quote is very important, so I'm just going to read it. Because a lot of the stuff is, you know, kind of like isn't, aren't direct quotes typically. If you buy some kick points today when the demand is low, then you will be able to sell them at a higher price tomorrow when the demand is higher, creating a return. This potential return encourages investors to buy in an ICO. An ICO is where kick takes a portion of its reserves from its Fort Knox. <laughs> <laughs> say, I mean, that's just ridiculous. Say 100 million of the 1 billion kick points that we initially created and put in our Fort Knox and sells them in an auction. The value proposition to investors is if they buy in today at the ICO and then the demand for the currency goes up because of all the things we do to create demand for them, then we'll be able to sell their points at a higher price in the future and make a return. The money taken in from investors for the ICO is used by Kick to fund development to create more and more demand by growing the community and by growing the demand for the currency within the community. So there's... Two things here. One is this seems like textbook, the sort of thing that, like the sort of price speculation that a CEO shouldn't engage in because you can't no, guarantee that the demand is higher, price will be higher. Like it seems unwise. Yeah. And the second thing is the Fort Knox analogy is about as centralized, uh, <laughs> like for a decentralized you know, currency, Fort Knox is about as antithetical an analogy as you can have. Right. And Fort Knox actually houses, you know, valuable gold. I mean, these kick points are worthless. <laughs> During the same time period, Kick worked with a consulting firm located in New York to research the market for digit for tokens and other digital assets, and to design an ICO. The consultant's research confirmed that quote, serious crypto investors globally, as well as small VC funds and family offices that are pushing into the space unquote, could in fact become interested in adding Kix tokens to their existing portfolios. Consultants' research also indicated that the majority of people who would buy a potential token would do so for investment purposes rather than to use token for to obtain goods and services. So all this is very like obvious stuff. 
But I think that's the point the SEC is making. Like they should have known better. On or about April 2017, in advance of the meeting with Kick directors later that same week, Kick CEO sent to the directors his PowerPoint presentation for the meeting entitled Kick and Cryptocurrency, together with a report prepared by Kick's consultant. I wonder who this consultant is. The materials highlighted results from the consultant's crypto investor survey and crypto investor expert panel and included a fundings perspective slide showing revenues from average historical token sales and predicted a capital raise of $100 million easily. 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 (laughs) That word was used right. The material set forth a roadmap for a token sale later that year and included steps for an investor marketing plan and an exchange outreach. They decided to rename their token Kin. And personally, I find it very confusing, Kick and Kin. And they worked with the consultants to design plans for what would eventually be called the Kin ecosystem. Uh, They started to draft a white paper. And basically, the SEC at this point, they're just kind of going through like the timeline of events. They created this white paper, and then they started the offering. Kick CEO told the board, expected to announce the offering later that month in advance of a board of Directors meeting the next day, the CEO sent to directors a PowerPoint presentation with more plans about the offering. Okay, and here uh, here's a bit from the presentation. The presentation explained that Kick would create a total supply of 10 trillion kin and float 10% of that supply, which is 1 trillion, with a total raised target of 100 million. Then it would use the proceeds from the offering to build a kin ecosystem and fund company operations. Kick planned to offer the 1 trillion tokens in multiple tranches, with buyers in earlier tranches committing funds well in advance of the sale of Kin to the general public in exchange for discounts from the final offering price. Kick had also decided to sell Kin in one more early tranches and SAFs. We talked about this. They'll have a little uh, chart in here. Was this the chart you were talking about earlier? Yeah, this is. Yeah, token sales so structure soft cap. 35% discount on the first SAFT, and it sort of trends down towards zero as they raise $100 million. Yep. Before the May 2017 public announcement, Kick drafted a single communication strategy that would run from the announcement until the token distribution event and encompass both the pre-sale and public sale phases. Kick also planned a single investor roadshow. I'm just reading this and it like it sounds so much like an IPO, uh, like a traditional investment bank IPO. This plan included the public announcement at which Kick would drive interest and awareness of Kick token sale meetings with VCs and the token sale itself. So then the board approved the timeline. And at the time, the Kin ecosystem did not exist, and there were no services or products that could be purchased with Kin. The Kin ecosystem would only come to exist, if at all, after investors bought in and after Kick spent proceeds of the ICO in its efforts to build the Kin ecosystem. And then they have a section. The section three is titled, uh, Kick Pitched the Kin Offering by Emphasizing the Opportunity to Profit. And it basically, there's a couple paragraphs in here which where they where the SEC highlights that the Kick CEO basically spoke at different events on CNBC, talking on kind of different social media platforms about the Kin announcement. And, yeah, and he was doing uh, fireside chats or Q and As on YouTube as well. Okay, and did you watch any of those? Yeah, I watched one of his more recent Q and As. I figured it would be more interesting to watch the ones later on when things have sort of not gone well. Yeah, and. Uh, it was pretty, there's some entertaining uh, sections. So in the there's a Q&A number eight where 
I think they had some sort of a like a developer contest. Okay. And one of the developers just uh, basically, you know, to paraphrase, is like the mobile SDK isn't ready. The essentially the ecosystem is incomplete and in bad shape. Why did you rush this contest out? Yep. And he responds by saying, uh, "Our metric for when something is ready is not when it's probable that a developer can make something useful, but when it's possible." <laughs> Which I just thought was hilarious. What does that even mean? (laughs) That's some expert level bullshit. (laughs) (laughs) And there's some more good nuggets in there in some of the latter Q and A's when things have sort of gone gone south. You should uh, timestamp those and like just tweet at the SEC. Did you see these? Uh, yeah. Okay, 64. These public statements repeated and expanded on Kick's Token Summit presentation. They go on to explain. Um, so Kick's CEO was on CNBC. And he said, you're just bringing people together, creating a place where they can create value for each other, transacting a new cryptocurrency. That, And that alone is enough to make a great financial return. How that makes money for Kick is that we create a new cryptocurrency such that there's only going to be so much of it. Right. So isn't this just the internet and Bitcoin? Why right. do we need Kick? <laughs> And then they go, it's basically there's a bunch of examples over a very long time period, like the social media platforms, obviously CNBC, then they get into their medium posts, how they taught this offering and they had other traditional, like another kind of traditional road. So in the similar way that yeah. initial public offerings Twitter, would have. Reddit, Slack. Yep. So it's some, I guess, less conventional or more modern ways of getting to people. Yep. Number 73. This is interesting because it kind of like goes back to the old dot-com boom. Kick and its agents also repeatedly primed potential purchasers' expectations that early kin buyers would profit by invoking the dot-com era as a prior example of the opportunity to make money in a quickly developing market. Just to be clear, this is the bubble that burst because right. most of the companies couldn't do what they were set out to do, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> For example, at the June 28th, we're going on for like a couple months now, uh, June 28th, 2017, San Francisco Bitcoin meetup. And it's just kind of funny, the SEC spells meetup with a dash. But anyway, it has nothing to do with this. Kick CEO specifically cited the dot-com era, predicting that people are going to make a lot of money with tokens and ICOs and directly comparing investors who would buy Kick's token crowd sale to the venture capitalists who had earlier invested in Kick. And there's this like section in here that it just reads like tech bro speak. So this, this is what the, the CEO says. So I think like for me, I think is like the dot. I'm just reading word for word what they wrote. Yeah, yeah. I think is like the dot com for better and for worse. So, you know, <laughs> this is a lot of hype right now and people are going to make a lot of money. People have made a lot of money. People are going to lose a lot of money here. This is coming, right? It's going to happen multiple times as we move through this innovation. But at the end of the day, Amazon and Google came out of the dot-com. What an incoherent just mess of thoughts. And so this is how I view like tokens and ICOs. I think 90% of them probably are going to go to zero and people are going to lose a lot of money. And you know the regulators are going to come in. How prescient. (laughs) They're going to say, how do we make this inaudible for innovation, but still make it safe for consumers? And everybody's going to be trying to figure this out and it's going to be crazy. (laughs) (laughs) 
<laughs> well, he was going wrong. to be. I was in like high school at the time, but I think like 2001 in 2000 or 2001, whatever year it was, it was going to be that all over again. And I think for us, we believe, you know, a few huge economic entities are going to come out of this space. And I think that actually a few huge economic entities have already come into the space. And so I think, you know, like everything, it's risk reward, but I think, you know, we have a good story and I think we're trying to do it in a fair way. And I think our heart's in the right place and we're going to do everything we can. You know, what really scares me at the end of the day is disappointing people. And I think what scares me about doing a crowd sale is before if kick failed, I would disappoint a bunch of rich people. But now if kick fails, I will disappoint a bunch of regular people. And that like really weighs on me. We need, so we're going to need to do everything to make it a win for everyone. <laughs> oh, no. I don't even know what to say about that last part. The whole thing's so ridiculous. Like, was this from, is this from like the script of Silicon Valley season? Is uh, Heart in the Right Place a part of the Howie test? <laughs> <laughs> we'll have and to look it, that up and check, <laughs> put it in the show notes. I, I don't think I don't. I wonder if the SEC is like taking a jibe at them. But right after this inaud, like this incoherent thing, they say these comments were recorded, streamed live on the internet, and posted on YouTube. They definitely are. Someone at the SEC is being very cheeky. Yeah. <laughs> like. Then we go on. He gives a few more other like kind of uh, choice quotes. I won't read through the rest. They're all uh, pretty similar. Section four. Kick assured buyers that any kin purchased could be easily resold. So uh, in the announcement of the kin project and throughout the kin offering, Kick told potential investors that they would be able to easily liquidate their kin holdings and that kin would trade an online trading platform, which Kick referred to as exchanges soon, soon after issuance. For example, in their white paper, Kick stated they expected kin to trade on exchanges and that Kick's choice of the ERC-20 uh, token protocol specific technical standard of Ethereum blockchain would make it can easy to trade on trading venues operating on the Ethereum blockchain. Similarly, in China, Kixio stated the beautiful thing with these cryptocurrencies is, you know, <laughs> they're immediately tradable. So on day one, Kin will go on a bunch of exchanges where you can exchange it for other cryptocurrencies or even other fiat currencies. In July, of 2017, in response to investors' query about future tradability, Kick executive responded, once the token goes live, looking at the end of summer, it will be traded on a number of exchanges. Kick also tweeted assurances regarding the future tradability of Kin, often using a Twitter account in the name of the Kin Foundation, which Kick had not yet created. <laughs> so they created the Twitter account before the foundation. Is that what he's saying there? Yep. And they, they screenshot the tweet and they redact who had tweeted it. I mean, I guess you could just go and look, but maybe they have to. I don't know. And this goes on, you know, from July into September. And Kin Foundation tweets, we have been given an indication from multiple exchanges that they plan to list the token. No specifics available yet, though, smiley face. Number five, Kick's SAFT required Kick to distribute Kin before Kick could even could create an ecosystem. As Kick planned and then publicly announced its offering of Kin, the company remained acutely aware of its urgent need to raise cash, both to support continuing company operations and to advance the Kin project. Consequently, Kick chose a strategy designed to expedite the cash flow 
to kick. It sold Kin at a discount to wealthy investors using SAFs. However, and this is, I think, the third or fourth time they've like come back to this. Um, the SEC, I mean. However, while the SAF temporarily solved Kick's cash problems, it created another. The express terms of the SAF created a hard and fast deadline for Kick to conduct the ICO and impose dire consequences if it did not. And then they basically go through the description of the SAF. And I'm not going to read through all of this because uh, I think we have captured, in essence, yeah. what we're trying to do. But I think one of the, the kind of the la- number 94. At least one major investor advised Kick that the investor would view any delay in issuing the tokens, even a delay to permit Kick to build out the ecosystem, a reason to not invest. Kick CEO received an email June 13, 2017. We reached out to the lead investor on the pre-sale and talked about extending the time before the company would conduct the token distribution event and offered the reason why, and much to our surprise, the proposed delay was viewed adversely and would impact the lead investor decision to participate in the pre-sale. Yeah, you want to dump as quickly as you can. Yep. Kick was well aware that the Kin ICO could be a securities offering. Number 97. So, for example, before Kick's public announcement of Kin around April 2017, the New York based consultant that had been advising on the Kin offering warned Kick that the SEC would potentially apply the Howey test to determine if the sale of tokens could constitute an investment contract. Consultant also told a kick executive, you don't want your offering to be a securities offering as that comes with a huge regulatory burden and expense. It's essentially like taking your company public. On the other hand, unregistered public securities offerings are not legal in the U.S. <laughs> Several days later, a series of PowerPoint slides provided to Kick's board of directors included the consultant's warning that Kin offering that raised millions was highly marketed to users and the public at large and had risk of becoming a security in the eyes of the SEC very quickly. Kick rushed to create a minimum viable product for Kin owners. So May 2017, they decided to hold the public Kin sale as soon as the company had created what is basically an MVP for the token. Kick pursued a superficial... So basically they're saying instead of doing the real deal, Kick pursued a superficial MVP in the form of a digital cartoon stickers that would be a supposed added benefit to Kick Messenger users who purchased Kin. This is just insane. $100 million for stickers. Basically. stickers. The stickers would appear inside Kick Messenger and would be available only to Kin buyers who also had a Kick Messenger account. The more Kin owned by Kick Messenger user, the higher the user's status level and the more stickers they could access. And number 103, they actually, <laughs> the stickers that Kick created, <laughs> the stickers that Kick created for, and we'll tell you why we're laughing in a second. The stickers that Kick created for the purported MVP were small, emoji like images, predominantly a cartoon honey badger, such as the one below. And they have a screenshot of a it's honey badger a, with a kin hat and a stereo that says, let's jam. Yeah. And doing a finger gun. So <laughs> an interesting uh raise a hundred mil from well the first fifty mil for a bunch of incredited investors and launch your MVP for a bunch of fifteen year olds. Like there's big mismatch between the kin investors and the kick users at this right. point. Kick did not design the cartoon sticker to encourage people to buy kin. The stickers could not be purchased using kin. <laughs> I mean, I would think that would be a very basic use case at least, right? Rather, Kick developed the stickers based on an effort to create a hypothetical use for the token, which Kick believed was relevant 
to whether Kick's sales of kin were securities transactions under securities laws. What? Okay, this part's... Uh, all right. The definition was written with one purpose only. Um, this is a... So one Kick executive wrote an email to other executives about how the company defined MVP. This definition was written with one purpose only, compliance. This is not an MVP for product purposes, nor to satisfy any good user experience for crypto <laughs> participants. We discussed that once we integrate Kin into Kick, we will rebuild the entire product bottom up and the MVP will not be used in any way. And then another email went out. Okay, so basically it doesn't really matter. The whole point is to make our legal department happy, not the users. Who are actually investors and probably could care less that they got a sticker pack for their $10,000 investment into Kin. <laughs> And speaking of the of the legal department, like what are they doing during this whole thing? Prior to the Kin ICO, the SEC issued the Dow report, and the Ontario Securities Commission told Kick that Kin was a security. So I think you, we were talking about this beforehand, right? They had reached, they had like reached out to the Canadian government, and they told them that they were a security. Yep, and so that's why they did not issue in Canada, right? Throughout the Kin offering, Kick emphasized its own importance to Kin's future success and the actions that it would take to support Kin. Basically, this section here just kind of goes into they were telling the public they were definitely going to make, make sure that the, the value work, yeah, ecosystem would work, yeah. value of the token's going to go up, <clears throat> things like that. And this this next part basically gets into that as well. And then we see a small analysis of like the of the the white paper, and that part's pretty interesting. It's number one twenty. If you if you want to check that one out. 131, I thought was kind of interesting. Kick provided no date by which it would complete Kin's integration into Kick Messenger. However, Kick made it clear that its integration efforts would continue beyond any public sale of Kin. A June 2017 online news article, for example, quoted a statement by Kick CEO that the company would add more ways to use Kin inside Kick in this latter part of 2017 and into next year, 2018. Kick controlled a Kick Messenger. Only Kick could modify Kick Messenger to incorporate Kin transactions. And then we go into like the more and more promises. Uh, one section, Kick promised it would create demand for Kin by implementing new technology to allow for scalable, fast, and cost-effective transactions. So 136 is interesting here. Kick explained that Kin would initially operate on the pre-existing Ethereum blockchain but this approach created known platform limitations that were expected to impede the actual use of Kin to buy or sell goods or services. So they launched a CRC20 token that they themselves don't think can be used. Yep. Um, Kick said the Ethereum blockchain would handle only relatively small numbers of transactions, was too slow, and imposed, imposed a fee for each transaction. Kick therefore recognized that the Ethereum blockchain was incapable of running consumer applications at sufficient volumes or scale to make Kin successful. Kick's white paper acknowledged a need for future significant advances in blockchain technology to enable a high scalable, low latency, and cost-effective decentralized system. So they themselves are thinking that they need to move off of Ethereum, which is pretty crazy. Yep. Oh, this actually this next section goes into a specific metric, which is pretty extreme. So even though Kick chose the Ethereum blockchain as Kin's platform, Kick could not use this blockchain for Kin transactions within Kit Messenger, let alone by numerous other companies, which Kick hoped to attract to the Kin ecosystem because of Ethereum's technological limitations. 
For example, Kick believed that giving only five kin tokens to each Kick Messenger user would absorb 23 days of the computing capability of the entire <laughs> Ethereum network. And just to be clear, they created 10 trillion tokens. <laughs> so <I just laughs> That's crazy. So if you if you use that ratio and you're distributing uh, all 10 trillion, in theory, that's uh, 50 trillion days of Ethereum computing. <laughs> I assume there's some benefits of issuing five at a time or something. Yeah. So maybe it doesn't scale up that way, but we're still a five, you know, it's, it's not a good ratio. Right. And then they then go into how they're going to get around it. First, Kick would implement its own transaction service that would allow Kin users to temporarily bypass Ethereum blockchain. <laughs> so essentially they're like, well, we put it on Ethereum, but Ethereum is not like we can't handle the scale that we need. So we're just going to use our own centralized ledger. <laughs> like the like this thing never needed a blockchain no. and then they put it on one and then they're taking it half off to make it work. It's is what a shit show. Right. It's a, they call it a hybrid, semi-centralized hybrid on-chain and off-chain transaction service. I mean... You know, you could argue that they've invented their own lightning network, but what they're really doing is just like if it only works with Kick anyway, they've just put a bunch of it, like recentralized it. Right. They talk about building a bespoke blockchain, which is even dumber. Hey everyone, this is Vikram again. Thanks for listening to us. If you are an exchange, a trader, or working on a crypto project, get in touch with us. You can reach us on Twitter at Quantlayer, that's Q-U-A-N-T-L-A-Y-E-R, or email me at Vikram at Quantlayer.com. That's V-I-K-R-A-M, like Monero, at Quantlayer.com. I will write back. And if you like our podcast so far, please hit subscribe and rate and review us, because that would help us a lot. Thanks. Thanks.